0: You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants. I'm Ed Valentine, along with co-host Patricia Traina, and we're here today to uh, to preview Sunday's key NFC East game between the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. How are you, Patty? Are you ready for a uh, a Dallas Cowboy Sunday night?
0: There's the word, Sunday night. Uh <laughs> all these night games, my goodness. I mean I'm not I don't know about you, Ed, but I'm not getting any younger. These night games are just killers. But yes, I'm ready for some NFC East football. I'm looking forward to it and uh it should be a good one. Uh,
1: Dallas versus the Giants is always a good game, Patty. It's always you know an intense rivalry game, fires up both fan bases, you know, fires up both teams. This one, really, really critical early season game, you know, for both teams coming in zero and one. The uh, the history of teams making the playoffs zero and two, you know, for anyone who's who's followed that that history is not good. I think the the numbers are. 91 teams since 2007, starting 0 and 2. Only 10 of those have made the playoffs. So, you know, obviously one of these teams is going to leave the field Sunday night 0 and 2. So, for an early season game, awful lot riding on this one.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I found it interesting this week. Um, Pat Shermer, uh, when he was asked about the prospects of falling to 0 and 2, um, basically said that he wasn't worried about that, and, and I just found that kind of weird that he would say that because, look, you know, you want to win every game, and he of course acknowledged that that they want to win and and the importance of um, you know division games, but you know t- to say that you're not worried about 0 and 2, I mean, I-, I guess you know maybe he brushed up on his Giants history and knows that the 2007 team started out 0 and 2, but. I think, you know, especially when you're talking about a division game, those games actually count for like a a game and a half in the standings because when it comes down to the final, you know, the final tally, um, the head-to-head is what's important. So you want to win those games. And in this case, I don't really think they want to go 0-2. Oh,
1: of course they don't want to go 0-2, Patty. I, I guess, you know, his comment, you know, the one you're talking about uh, didn't raise as many as many alarms or, or didn't, I, I, it didn't strike me the way that it struck you. I think it's just, you know, an NFL head coach with his head sort of burrowed in, you know, worrying about the game in front of him, you know, which is, which is typically the way NFL coaches are. They worry about, they worry about the week ahead. They don't tend to, uh, to worry about the big picture and, and about the, uh, You know, the long-range implications, they worry about, you know, what's right directly in front of them.
0: Yeah, you know, I I get that, and and Pat Shermer has said many, many times, you know, I I worry about this moment, and I I get that, but I I just found that still kind of a a weird comment to, to make, because... You, you, yes, you can only worry about today and, and this particular moment, but you also have to have an eye on tomorrow and the future, uh, because you know the last thing you need is for something to pop up and and you know just knock you off the rail, so to speak. So I don't know. I, I th- it, it's a minor thing in, in in the grand scheme of things, but I just found that to be a very curious remark
1: all right let's uh let's do this patty let's uh let's go through um, you know the three aspects of the game we'll go through offense defense special teams you know look at the matchups as we uh you know as we look towards sunday uh let's start on the offensive side of the ball and you know for the giants i think we have to start with the with the offensive line you know looking at uh, the fact that that they the line struggled you know against Jacksonville the fact that Dallas you know has DeMarcus Lawrence has a good front seven for me a big part of the story of this game is going to be you know, is going whether or not we see some improvement from that Giants offensive line
0: I think we have to add. I mean you know it, it it's interesting um if I'm not mistaken, either Shermer or one of the players said that, you know, these first few weeks, is kind of like a, an extension of training camp. But, you know, the bottom line is these games start to count. And, you know, the offensive line last week, no, it wasn't a clean performance. And, and it had rocky moments, but it, they also had some good moments. You know, the, the blocking, for example, on Saquon Barkley's 69-yard run. Um, or was it 68 yards? It was 68 yards, I think. Um, the blocking was very solid there. And, um, you know, Eli Manning, for the most part, I'm not saying, you know, on every pass, because I think on 10% of the passes, um, he was under some sort of directs, but he was able to step up. He was able to find Odell Beckham Jr. on, on 11 uh, receptions and, and just spread the ball around. So there's something they can build on there but what kind of bothers me with this offensive line and 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 I'm afraid I'm going to have to go there I'm going to have to talk about Eric Flowers this is flowers is what third coach or fourth one I'm I'm trying to remember is this is fourth offensive line coach third third okay now I get it that he's playing a new position and that takes time and and it's interesting because I spoke with John Greco about that and and you know I I said What kind of learning curve does it take? And Greco basically said to me, it depends on the guy. So I I get that, you know, it's a new position. But with that said, Flowers has been working at Right Tackle since the spring, since May. And, you know, at what point do you say, okay, now it starts to feel comfortable, you know? I mean, even if you were to switch writing from your left hand from your right hand to your left hand, although I think you're left handed if I'm not mistaken, so uh, if you were to switch hands that you write with, if you constantly worked at it and constantly practiced and did and, and did stuff to, to improve the dexterity in, in that hand, ultimately you you would pick it up and you would write as flawlessly as you do with your dominant hand. And I'm just a little concerned that at this point, you know, flowers is still dipping back into bad habits that we saw on the left you know, when he was on the left side and, and that, you know, his progress has been coming along at a snail's pace.
1: I think Patty, you know, the, uh, the bigger issue for me, you know, the, the guy had technique issues for three years on the left side. They, they really, despite the fact that, that in my view, he had two really, really good offensive line coaches, you know, in Pat Flaherty, and then in Mike Solari, you guys that have had a lot of success in the NFL, you know, those, those issues didn't get any better. They weren't going to get any better moving to the right side. I mean, you know, that's that's just the reality of it. I mean, what bothered me more than anything else, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure we've actually talked about it on, on the show at all this week, but what bothered me more than anything else were the comments that he made Regarding not really knowing, you know, what kind of player he was facing in Calais Campbell in terms of the guy's tendencies. And even yesterday, and I know you pointed this out in a piece that you did for Big Blue View, you know, Mike Shula's sort of cryptic comment that guys have to know their jobs and know their assignments, you know, and know who they're blocking, um, you know, which, which is, Basically, it's kind of a cryptic comment, you know, piggybacking on what Flowers said. It bothers me tremendously that a guy in his fourth year in the league, that there's an indication that in his fourth year in the league, he doesn't understand how to study and he doesn't understand the preparation that's necessary to be ready to play on a Sunday.
0: Yeah, that bothered me too. I mean, when I saw those comments by by Shula, and they were in response to a a Flowers question, and even though he didn't name him by name, you know, the fact that it was, you know, tacked on to to, uh, a response to having to deal with Flowers, I I thought to myself, my goodness, what the heck is going on here? I mean, as I wrote for Big Blue View, several former players have told me over the years, That it's all about preparation. That if you prepare, that is more than 50% of the game right there. And if you take shortcuts, if you don't study film, if you go out there and wing it, you are going to get your butt whipped. It's that simple. And, you know, I don't think that we can say that Flowers necessarily got beaten on every play because he did have a few good ones. But... The, the basic things, you know, like, like you said, the, the Clay Campbell um, uh, tripping penalty that shouldn't have been. I mean, th- that there's just no excuse for that. I mean, he, he that was as blatant a trip as you're going to see, and there's just no excuse for that. And I'm telling you now, when they face Dallas, I, I'd be stunned if DeMarcus Lawrence isn't isn't lined up against Flowers on every snap, and I sure hope that Eric Flowers is studying his butt off on every little thing Lawrence does. And and, and he goes in and, you know, he's able to complete Lawrence's sentences before he can, you know? Patty, the really
1: interesting thing about it, you know, I I don't remember where I saw it, but somebody I saw recently wrote that, you know, basically these guys that make it to the NFL, they're the top 1% of 1%, you know, when it comes to, you know, Athletically, uh, you know, when it comes to, to, you know, rising to the top of, of their profession, there's very little difference in strength, athleticism, ability, really, from, from one guy to the next. When, you know, when you look at, at all of these guys, the difference quite often comes down to what's in between your ears and how hard you're willing to work. You know, and 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 I don't know after after some of the things that that we that we heard this week, you know that that's where I'm at with Eric Flowers is you, is you question just how much he's actually putting into this.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it goes back to that scholarship mentality, and and you know I don't want to spend the whole segment on on Eric Flowers, but I will say this: it goes back to that scholarship mentality. It, you know, coming in and knowing that you're a first round draft pick knowing that your money is guaranteed regardless of what you do. I mean, sometimes that guys, you know, come in and they say, well, you know, I'm set. I don't have to bust my butt, you know, and, and, and you almost wish sometimes that, th- that these guys had that free agent mentality, you know. And I'll point to Saquon Barkley who's, as a good example. Barkley's first round draft pick, the number two overall in the draft And he if you listen to him and you watch him, he's got that free agent mentality where where it's, oh, my God, I'm one play away from being tossed out onto the street. Now, we all know he's not getting tossed out onto the street if he screws up, but he prepares and works like he is. And and that's the difference. And that's why this kid is going to be so good.
1: Patty, I would agree. Let's uh let's turn a little bit to, to something else on offense. Um what I think we want to talk about, the last thing we want to talk about on offense, I think, would be the fact that you know, coming out of Sunday, Jacksonville, very, very good defense. Did think there were some good things to build on. Obviously, the big play, you know, to Barkley. Really, I think what we saw were hints of what this offense can be when it works right. But what we also saw were, for whatever reason, whether the throws were a little bit off target, whether the timing on certain plays was a little bit, you know, was a little bit off, whether there were breakdowns on the offensive line that, you know, that caused things to happen, you know, that, that shouldn't have happened. I think in some cases, all of those things happened. But when you look at it, I thought there were just there were missed opportunities that for whatever reason they occurred, the Giants are going to have to correct. And I mean, if they are able to correct them more often than not, I think you have to be optimistic you know, about the possibilities for this offense.
0: I agree. And, you you know, you also have to remember one thing. This offense did not play together. For you know, a significant amount of playing time in the preseason. You know, we saw bits and pieces here and there, but you know, for example, we didn't see Odell the entire preseason. We only saw Saquon for maybe what six snaps. Eli played in what two games, so we never really got to see this entire offense work as a full unit for a full sixty to seventy-five you know snaps per game. So we're still, you know, finding out and learning about what they can do. Now, with that said, they did stand toe-to-toe with, with the Jaguars. who's was a very good team. You know, let's not take anything away from them. Um, there were plays that, that, you know, needed to be made that weren't. You know, you can look at the drop passes by uh, Evan Ingram, for example. You can look at some, you know, the one missed throw by Eli Manning. Um, the, you know, the performance of the offensive line, as we talked about. But I think now that they have that first game under their belts, we might see a little bit more cohesiveness as they go forward. And, you know, the things like the timing, you know, between Manning and the receivers, um, you know, the, the the feel that the running backs are going to get running behind that offensive line, I think that's all going to fall into place. Uh, the key right now is just to keep everybody healthy and on the field because, you get an injury and you have to start moving guys in and then out of the lineup. That's when that cohesiveness and that rhythm kind of just falls apart.
1: Patty, let's take a quick break. Let's hear from our sponsor, my bookie, and then we will come back and we will uh, we will dive into uh, a little bit uh, about the Giants' defense versus the Dallas offense. Giants fans, let's talk about advice. Patty and I are always being asked for it. And the truth is, we can tell you a lot of things, but we can't tell you who is going to win or lose the games. If you think you know, you've got to check out MyBookie. MyBookie has been in business for years, has great online reviews, and offers an easy-to-use mobile site. You win, MyBookie pays. It's that simple. bookie has in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks, and for you fantasy football players out there, you can even bet the over/under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E, and don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On. That's Locked On to activate this special offer for our listeners. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trena here continuing with today's episode of Locked On Giants. Let's turn our attention to the Giants defense. And and Patty, as we do that, I have to say, you know, thank God the Giants have actually finally found a way to cover Jason Witten.
0: Yeah, the best way to cover him (laughs) is to not have him on the field. There you Um, go.
1: Hey, we can cover this guy now. He's retired.
0: But you know what? I I mean, in all honesty, I was kind of hoping and and looking forward to seeing how Betcher would deal with Witten, you know, with this defense. I I, I thought they finally had everybody in place to, you know, to to, to be competitive. And we'll never know, of course. But you know what? It is what it is. The, the, The the Two, actually, there's three big matchups the defense has to take on. Uh, the first, obviously, is keeping Dak Prescott contained because you let that guy start making plays with his legs, and you're in for a long evening. So that's obviously number one. Number two is Zeke Zeke Elliott, um, very you know powerful, strong runner between the tackles. Um, I think that's a great matchup considering you know he's going against Damon Harrison. Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, and, and the, the two inside linebackers, B.J. Goodson and uh, Alec Ogletree. I think they can you know be effective against that. But the one matchup that I don't think a lot of people are talking about in the receiving game, now that there's no Des, not that, now that there's no Jason Witten, is the very pesky Cole Beasley, their slot receiver. And I don't know about you, Ed, but Cole Beasley versus B.W. Webb is a matchup that I think is very underrated, but very key for this game.
1: You're probably right about that, Patty. But, you know, Beasley is also not a game breaker. You know, so I guess, you know, when I look at it, I thought it was interesting this week that the Giants were so upfront about their plan and about what they had to do. I mean, Landon Collins said it. Um, Pat Shermer said it. You know, they both said, "Look, we have to focus on Ezekiel Elliott. We have to do that. We have to to bottle him up. We have to make Dak Prescott, you know, try to win the game with his arm and and you know, significantly with his arm, not with his feet. They have to be able to defend him when he runs around. Um, you know, Prescott the end of last year and and in Week One." you know, hasn't played really well in in his last few games. So, you know, obviously I think that's the plan that everybody's going to, uh, you know, going to use against Dallas. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how that works out. Uh, you know, other other than Beasley, you know, I, I look at those at those Cowboys receivers and I'm like, you know, wait a minute, who are these guys? I mean, I know that some of them have been in the league for a while, but it's it's just a very weird thing When you look at Dallas and you see no Witten, you know, no Des Bryant, and you kind of have to look at your scorecard to figure out who the receivers are. You know, but but you're right. I mean, this, you know, going back to Beasley, he is pesky. He is good. This will be a big test for B.W. Webb or however the Giants choose, you know, to defend the slot uh, because he is the one one receiver who you really worry about.
0: Yeah, and and I – I agree with you. I, I didn't mean to imply that, that Beasley's a game breaker, but, you know, he's the guy who can keep the chains moving forward. And, you know, they've had problems with him in the past, if I'm not mistaken, where he's he's kind of, you know, been slippery to, to contain. So, you know, we haven't seen B.W. Webb get targeted much in the first game. And, and, and I think I went back and I looked, and he wasn't targeted much in the preseason either. But with that said... I think one of the keys there and, and, and something we didn't always see BW Webb do is you've gotta get a jam on uh, on these guys, especially on Beasley, before they, they 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 uh you know go into their patterns. If you get these guys a free release, they're gonna they're gonna burn you. And sometimes, you know, just in watching BW Webb, you know, during the summer, um a, you know, a note that I, I made him doesn't always get his hands up Quick enough to get that jam, you know. It's like by the time he gets that jam, uh, you know, get into that that jamming motion, the receiver's already off and running. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I'm sure that's something on James Betcher's radar. You know, another thing that I'm curious to see is the play of free safety Curtis Riley. Now, last week, I don't believe the Jacksonville Jaguars targeted him. You know, went too deep on their past attempts. I don't think the Cowboys are going to go deep because they don't, I, I'm not sure they really have that deep threat like they did with Des Bryant. But, you know, so far Riley's been kind of able to, to play under the radar because, you know, he's not really getting as involved as that last line of defense because, you know, teams just aren't going deep against the Giants. So that's something else to keep an eye on. but, but for me, the big matchup, you know, and, and I think, you know, the players said it. You know, you just said it is going to be shutting down Ezekiel Elliott and and just trying to you know see if they can keep Dak Prescott in that pocket and forcing him to try to make plays with his arm.
1: Patty, the other thing to watch, and and I think we've we've pretty much already gotten our answer. Uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to um, to try to put the game in the hands of Dak Prescott when he does go back to pass you have to be able to pressure him and you know we talked about it in the preseason we've talked about it you know for a while now one of the big questions with the Giants is pass rush honestly we didn't see a whole lot of it you know against Jacksonville I think there was one sack there were a couple of pressures uh, but it looks again like the Giants are going to be without Olivier Vernon, who's their best pass rusher. So, you know, I, I continue to be concerned about where is the pass rush and can they generate enough, you know, to the point where, you know, if they're going to put the game in Prescott's hands, where they can, they can pressure him into making some quick decisions and doing some things he doesn't want to do with the football.
0: Yeah. And I think that's very important. And, you know, it's funny, people focus on sacks and, you know, thank you, Pat Shermer, for, for saying what needed to be said there. And that is to get off of the sacks narrative that, you know, yeah, a sack would be great, but if you can pressure the quarterback into making a mistake or throwing the ball before he's ready, that's just as good. So um That's what they're going to need to do. And, you know, it's interesting because the Cowboys all-world offensive line, as I've called them for years, they have a couple new faces on there. You know, the center is new. Um, They have a new left guard, I believe. And I've also um, just just in reading around the web, you know, reports out of Dallas, they say that Lael Collins has struggled. Um, So the the line is starting to, to, you know, show some cracks there. They're not that... That, you know, uh, solid brick wall that they've been in the past. So it's going to be so important for the Giants defensive line to win their battles up front and just push that pocket. And, you know, if they can they, if they can seal off the edges and keep Prescott in that pocket, it could be a long evening for him. Patty, let's
1: take one more quick break. Then we will come back. We'll uh, we'll talk about uh, special teams, and then we'll wrap up our show for today. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Traina here uh, on Locked On Giants. It's Friday, uh, two days before the Giants face the the Dallas Cowboys in a a big. NFC East game. Both teams heading in zero and one. Both teams needing a win to uh, to avoid the dreaded zero and two start to the season. We've already broken down offense. We've broken down uh, the defensive matchups. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about special teams. And Patty, when we talk about the Giants and, and special teams, I think we're uh, we're back to talking about you know. the the Giants and the return game.
0: Yeah, we have to start there. You know, it's interesting. uh, Special teams coordinator, Thomas McGahee said that he's not about to kick Kalen Clay to the curb after one month punt. And, you know, unfortunately I wasn't there uh, for Thursday's media session as I, you know, I was working on a film study for the athletic, but, my follow-up question, had I been there, is, well, what about the lack of return yardage? Because, you know, yeah, the you know, the, the, the coverage wasn't the greatest, um, but, you know, I, I just thought that Clay looked a little indecisive on his other returns that he he held on to. So, you know, I, I, I mentioned this, I know, um, when I did my stats piece for Big Blue View, that the Giants ended up losing the field position battle to the Jaguars very badly. I mean, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it wasn't even close. And that's so important. I mean, you can overcome that, yes. But if you have that advantage, and especially if your offense is still trying to find its groove, that could be a big plus for a team.
1: Yes, it can, Patty. You know, I was, uh, obviously, I think Kalen Clay had four return yards on, uh, on three opportunities. And, and I I looked at it and 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 I'm not sure how much of that is on Kalen Clay. I'm not sure how much of that is on, is is on the, the the blocking on those returns. You know what I do know is that I liked to hear you know McGee he say, look you know I'm not going to kick a guy to the curb after one bad game. I I think that that gives players confidence. And the other thing to remember about Kalen Clay, and, and I'm not here to, to defend Kalen Clay, but, but Thomas McGee, he has experience with Clay. He knows what kind of a player Clay is. They were together in Carolina. He's seen Kalen Clay have some success. So he's going to give the guy a little bit of rope. Obviously, you know, if, if we go for a while and he's not getting the job done, the Giants will do something else. You know, but the guy does have a little bit of a track record, so you know' sort of sort of like uh, everybody overreacts to everything after after one week um uh, you know let let's not overreact and say he's terrible and he can't get the job done you know because he's done it in in other places and he's not he's not an old guy who should be losing his skills at this point so so let's see how that works out. I'm still a little bit concerned we only saw one kickoff return uh you know which which only went for 15 yards but but you're absolutely right Patty the Giants have got to get something out of the return game uh because you can't be you can't when you lose the field position battle what happens is you're playing uphill all the time you know and and uh and it's really hard to win that way
0: yeah, it, it really is. I mean, again, it can be done, but you know, why make things more difficult on yourself if you, you know? And again, special teams—it's very difficult because you know, especially for a coach, you never really know who you're going to have on on your, you know, units because you know maybe the head coach decides, hey, I'm, I need this guy, you know, to play more snaps on offense and defense, so I'm going to lighten his special teams load. So you have to be able to adjust. And and at the same time, you know, you, you want to make sure that what you're running is going to suit the talent that you are afforded by the head coach. So I, I don't envy any special teams coach out there as it is a tough position. But with that said, you know, you, you just need to – you have that's what you're getting the big bucks for. And you have to kind of come up with a way to just, you know, put it all together and, and, and teach. And look, Thomas McGahee is a very good teacher, and you know Anthony Blevins was is an up and comer, and and they have good old Tom Quinn back there, who you know everybody still speaks very highly of. So I just think you know like with everything else on the Giants last week, they got off to a slow start, but I think they're going to pick it up as as the season goes on, and it'll be interesting to see how the field position battle continues to you know affect what they do and. And, 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 you know, especially with the offensive and defensive strategy, which does change depending on where you're starting on the field.
1: Patty, last thing for me on special teams is, you know, I, I look at Dallas and, and we looked at their offense, you know, with without Jason Witten and without Des Bryant. And, you know, I'm going to look over there on Sunday night and, and Dan Bailey's not going to be kicking field goals. And I'm going to say, you know, thank God for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I still don't get that move. I I, I mean, I'm sure they have their, their reasons. And obviously, I don't follow them as closely as they do the Giants. But I got it. I got admit, When I saw that, I was like, uh, OK, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how they do with, with their kickoffs and stuff. So.
1: All right, Patty. With that said, Giants fans, big big game to look forward to Sunday night. Uh, Patty, you know, will continue to have to have coverage in all of the various places that that she writes. Just check her uh, her tri- Twitter account at Patricia underscore Trina. Check Big Blue View for all sorts of coverage, pregame, in game, post game. You can find me on Twitter at Big Blue View and at Valentine underscore Ed. And uh, Giants fans we will uh, we will talk to you next week when we come back to uh to recap what happened on Sunday night all right bye bye now.